Discussing uh, Jesus' use of parables, uh, the theologian Robert Stein notes that Jesus repeatedly uses illustrations from everyday life. He says these often contain a distinctly Palestinian or even Galilean flavour. This was originally intended to make the parables more understandable to Jesus' audience. But today, it serves also to authenticate them. It is clear, for example, that the sower uh, in Matthew 13, 4 and following reveals a Palestinian method of farming in which the sowing precedes ploughing. Hence, most scholars agree that in the parables, one stands on the bedrock of authentic Jesus tradition. And to understand Jesus' use of parables, we need to understand their context. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, he says this. You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, note that first, this gives us a a definition or a way of thinking about this term kingdom, kingdom of God. Your kingdom is where your will is done. God's kingdom on earth is where his perfect will, rather than just his uh, permissive will, is done. And secondly, I think we can note that To a pre-Christian way of thinking, this teaching on prayer might appear very strange. I mean, what sort of deity proclaims that he has a kingdom that isn't really here yet? What sort of deity tells those who believe in him to ask him that his will be done on earth, rather than simply imposing his will with some smiting, preferably involving brimstone. Well, as it turns out, the sort of deity who gives this strange teaching is the sort of God that Jesus claims to reveal and to be. As Psalm 103.3 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He is the sort of God who becomes incarnate of a virgin teenager and is born in backwater Bethlehem. He is the sort of God who much prefers to elicit our loving obedience by suffering for us than to have us suffer the ultimate consequence of our sin. As Joel 2.13 puts it, let your remorse tear at your hearts and not at your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He is not easily angered. He is full of kindness and anxious not to punish you. So Jesus' use of parables in what we might even call a Socratic teaching style is wholly in keeping 
with his suffering servant king approach to the task of revelation. Parables are designed not to force a message on the casual listener, whilst yet revealing their meaning to those who have sufficiently humble ears to hear. Jesus would much rather entice the humble than browbeat the lofty. The Pharisees demanded a miracle of Jesus for their own personal satisfaction. He calls them a wicked and adulterous generation who will be given no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus tells these parables of growth in Matthew 13, 31 to 33, in the midst of rejection. He wants to encourage his disciples not to judge the kingdom of God by present appearances, for the kingdom is a growing reality. As the theologian R.T. France puts it, the parables of growth focus on the paradox of insignificant or hidden beginnings and a triumphant climax. In Jesus' ministry, this was a real issue. For those outside of the disciple group, it affected the credibility of an announcement of God's reign, which had apparently little to show for it. For the disciples, there was the natural impatience to see God's kingdom in all of its glory and the total eradication of all that opposed it. So these parables are Jesus dealing with the the inaugurated but not yet fully flourishing nature of God's kingdom on earth. And despite the intervening centuries... This is a reality that Christians face as inhabitants of God's kingdom today. Jesus told them another story. The kingdom of heaven is like what happens when a farmer plants a mustard seed in a field. Although it is the smallest of all seeds, it grows larger than any garden plant and becomes a tree. Birds even come and nest on its branches. Jesus also said, The kingdom of heaven is like what happens when a woman mixes a little yeast into three big batches of flour. Finally, all the dough rises. At the present moment, the kingdom appears small, but its greatness will be seen. At the present moment, the kingdom is opposed by many for failing to agree with their worldly agendas. But the gospel is a blessing from God to the whole world that will lead to the transformation of the whole world in the new heavens and earth. At the present moment, even today, the kingdom can look insignificant, like yeast compared to flour by volume when baking bread. I'm told that three batches of flour would make enough bread for a hundred people. So, just like yeast, the kingdom of God has a powerful effect over time. And we experience this in our own lives and communities of discipleship as we put on the glory of Christ 
over time. We all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3.18. Or as Jesse Jackson once famously said, I am not a perfect servant. I am a public servant doing my best against the odds. As I develop and serve, be patient. God is not finished with me yet. The mustard seed was proverbially minute, though not literally the smallest seed. And Jesus literally says that it grows greater than the vegetables. Contrasting the full-grown shrub of about three to four meters with other garden produce. Indeed, Jesus' imagery calls to mind a passage from Daniel. This is Daniel 4, verses 10 to 12. In the visions of my mind, as I was lying in bed, I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew large and strong. Its top reached to the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. Wild animals found shelter under it. The birds of the air lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. In other words, the kingdom of God will provide refuge not just for Jews, but for Gentiles as well. Its fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of eternal life, is meant for all. At the present time, that fruit may seem insignificant, but it is ripening, and the great harvest is coming. Thanks be to God for his word.